Hi, and welcome to the ICNU Inspiring Churches to New Understanding podcast. My name is Delton DeArmas, and I will be your host. And I am just a curious person, and I'm curious about what pastors think. Uh, pastors and ministry leaders and other people who uh, are involved in growing God's church. And I want to know what inspires them, and I want to know how they get inspired and where they go with the inspiration. And so I will interview guests from time to time and ask them questions that I want to ask them. And I hope that uh, you gain something from that as well. Well, hi, and welcome to the ICNU podcast. My guest today is a guy by the name of Marcus Raven. And Marcus and I have uh, gone back, but I'm going to let him tell me a little bit about that. Marcus, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Delton. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I, I appreciate you taking the time today. It's taken already a lot more time um, than I had promised uh, because of technical difficulties. Uh, but on the first um, the first episode of my first podcast, I'm not surprised by technical difficulties. Uh, and ironically, you would be the guy that I would call. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so now that I have you on the hear a little bit, and I'm sure our guests would like to hear a little bit about you. Uh, so, um, tell me, um, tell me about you. Tell me how to do this. Tell me about how we met. What do you remember about how we met? Uh, that's a pretty good question. I believe, uh, well, you know what? I don't know exactly. My earliest recollection was us being in a class together at Dallas Theological Seminary. It was a elective class or actually a mandatory elective class if there's such a thing on creativity and so I believe that's my first recollection of us meeting if we met before then I'm not sure how or when but it was definitely on the campus at DTS yeah well I think that um, I'm the wrong person to add for recollect ask about recollection because I tend to not <laughs> all my memories tend to blend together when it comes to events um, but I actually remember it very similarly to you. We had a creativity class. It was, uh, if I recall, the first time they were offering that class where Prof. Hendricks wasn't teaching it. Yeah. Um, yes. And, yep. and we got to know each other there and ended up um, in several more classes together and collaborating on some projects together. Uh, one project in particular that comes to mind was one where we worked in um, eschatology. Do you remember that one? I do remember that one. We had a, we could write a pretty long paper as part for the course for DTS or come up with something creative. And so we definitely opted for the creative output instead of the long paper. And we for sure. <laughs> at, every, at every opportunity <laughs> not to write a long paper. <laughs> yes, and I believe uh, there were three other people on the team uh, for that project and it's still up somewhere on youtube or something um, i think it is maybe we could find it and put it in the we could find it and put it in the show notes that sounds like a good idea <laughs> so uh, i wanted to ask you um well basically this podcast probably by form of introduction um the the name of the organization is inspiring churches to new understanding which has the acronym icnu which uh, the four letters, but if you think of it as a phrase, that I see in you uh, is a good way to exhort. And when you when you're talking to your friends, when I'm talking to you, and I say, Marcus, you know, I see you and I see in you the ability 
to use technology to solve ministry problems. Um, and really, at a deeper level, I think that, uh, sadly, ministries and churches are often behind the times, whether it be in business processes, whether it be in use of technology. Um, I mean, businesses were accepting online payments long before churches were. Nowadays, online payments is pretty commonplace for churches, but what else is happening in the, in the real world, if you will, that we can't, um, we can't seem to get traction on in churches? And so um, what I'd like to do is talk to you a few minutes about that. Um, and I'll start by talk. I want to talk about a phrase that you use um, that I have now adopted into my own uh, vocabulary. And it's the phrase IT debt. So tell me, what does IT debt mean? Well, that's a good good question there. And if you look up the, the the classical definition or the technical definition, IT debt has to uh, has to do with when some when you're developing some type of software or some type of infrastructure, and whether you're going to build it fast uh, to get it up and running, or if you're going to build it a little bit slower to make it a, more sustainable in the long haul. And so as you build that, it has to do with how big the team is going to be, what type of code you're going to use, what type of platform it's going to stand on, all of those things go into IT debt. And then, of course, the infrastructure that it would take to house that particular program, whether it be servers or anything of that nature to make sure that the platform or the technology keeps running. So that's the classical definition of IT debt. Uh, that that definition was taken and morphed by one of my mentors to have to do with if you are going to house a website or if you're going to have some type of online program, then you need servers, you need uh, you need things that would cost money. In the classical definition, we would call it overhead. So in your house, you have debt, uh, ongoing debt such as gas and electricity. Uh, in your in your life, you may have debt or subscriptions that you have. So let's say personally, if I like to watch several things online, I may have a Netflix account. I may have a Disney Plus account. I may have a Hulu account. And if I start to add up all those accounts, they become, even though they may be small by themselves, when I start to add them up at the end of the month, that becomes IT debt for my house because I have multiple accounts that add up. And so in the case of your online or your digital strategy, your IT debt would look like your domain name. That's going to be, you know, $12.99 a year. Then you're going to have hosting. If you have a cheap hosting account for somewhere shared hosting like GoDaddy, then that may be $3.99 to $5.99 a month. Or you could have a really, really robust hosting that could be $45 a month. But when you start to take all of those things, those components of internet information technology, that becomes IT debt. That's fascinating. So when you first introduced me to this, I didn't even realize there was a classical definition. <laughs> I, I just, it is how you simply referred to the ever-growing need to spend money on technology. And, uh, you know, there's a guy, Guy Kiyosaki, who wrote the book um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yes. Um, and several in that series. And he talks about um, debt being what, you know, your outflows versus your inflows. That's and, correct. Yeah. And so thinking of in those contexts, you know, we have a mutual friend who 
uh, and, and heck, I don't even have to pick on a mutual friend, I can pick on myself, where I'll find a, a tool or a technology or something that I'm, that I'm enamored with and I'll buy it. And, you know, the, the classic for me, um, IT debt would be like my Microsoft, um, my Microsoft subscription. Office 365. Uh, so yes. Office 365. So I have Word and Excel and, and PowerPoint as well as email. Um, I actually like that structure and it's a, it's not a huge monthly expense. Could I use Google for free? Absolutely. But then there are a lot of people who use the Google, um, whatever they call it, Google pro or the Google um, suite. Yeah. The Google, Google suite. suite. Yes. That is, that does have a monthly cost. Maybe it's a little less than Microsoft, but these little five and $10 increments that you don't necessarily notice if you go back and evaluate and realize, Hey, I'm spending $150 a month on, on these things, <laughs> it, it becomes, it's a debt payment, right? It's a, yes. it's a monthly yes. payment. Yes. And, um, and I, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought up Robert Kiyosaki and rich dad, poor dad too, because we want to make the distinction. Some it debt, just like, Kiyosaki says, some debt is good. So we, I'm, I'm not against debt. I just want to make sure that as you use certain things, those are outflows that you're leveraging those. So in my case, or in our case, if you were to produce hundreds and hundreds of videos, you would have the choice of standing that up on an Amazon S3 server, which would incur IT debt, uh, but it would give you complete control over who has access to your videos. You could go the free route, which with YouTube and eliminate IT debt there. So if I'm going to use a paid training course and it's going to be something where I monetize my intellectual property, then that IT debt is not bad because I'm leveraging Amazon and their robust system in order to ensure that nobody can just freely access that information and hack into it. So I do have debt, but that debt does that debt does have a monetization strategy on it. So in the same way with a domain name, you you don't want to host your 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 website on a with a free WordPress domain. So you don't want icnu.wordpress.org for your domain name. So you've got to take on that $12 a year as IT debt. Interesting. So you know, it's a good segue. We we're talking about Google and Google Suite, and YouTube is, of course, um, a part of the Google universe. And I now correct me if I'm wrong. On YouTube, I can have video on YouTube that's that's not public. Is that correct? That's or correct. That's accessible by password or accessible by in that, some other way. That's but correct. But what you're saying is, if I'm if I am distributing paid content. Um, that's that may or may not be the best way to go. That's might correct. Be better to, okay. Yes. That's the first time I've heard that. Um, so that's really interesting um, because one thing that you had mentioned to me before is the idea of having having a hub, being that being your website, and again not being um, inspiringchurches.wordpress.com, but actually inspiringchurches.com, um, and paying for the the hosting there. So that's my own thing, and ho putting all of my content. Um, specifically on my, you know, in my website. And so what I've done to this point, I have a couple of videos, but one's on YouTube. I, or maybe they're both on YouTube. Maybe one is on Vimeo and one's on YouTube. Um, but that's not paid content. That's just content that I'm, when I'm pointing people to YouTube or Vimeo, I'm trying to point them via my website. I want everything cool. to come back to my website. Yes. Not, yeah, you told me that. That's <laughs> I'm right. not telling that's you right. anything that you don't know. <laughs> um, uh, you told me that. And so, um, if I get to the point where I have paid content there, 
I'll have to rethink where I'm hosting. I mean, wh where I'm parking that stuff. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. And, and if you did it on Vimeo, you could actually, there's settings inside of Vimeo that would allow you to lock those down. And if you've ever gone somewhere and you see that Vimeo says this is a private video, it means they've locked it down. So that's what a lot of course creators do is they'll end up uh, opting to go for, especially inside of a membership site. There, you, you do want a certain amount of your content to be outside the paywall or beyond the place where people can access it freely. So that's a good strategy. So you do have that. And plus YouTube drives a lot of traffic that you wouldn't get on your own. Or what we call that the mall effect, using Google or YouTube to, to generate traffic that you would not get if you just had a standalone store, as opposed to when you put your, your kiosk or when you, when you sublease a, a, a place in the mall, you get more foot traffic because the, the mall drives traffic in and of itself that you would not get if you were just at, uh, at the corner or inside of a, uh, a, just a normal strip mall. So when we look at that, when we're looking at that, it's, it's always a fine balance on how much traffic you're trying to, to drive to your, back to your, to your golden frame where you, where you transact as opposed to how much you're getting paid uh, to people who you're servicing, who already have a relationship, they know, like, and trust you, and you've already entered into some type of monetary exchange with them, value exchange with them. So th this <laughs> this is taking me in a totally different direction, but of course, my uh, the podcast is designed for pastors. It's, it, That's right. I, most of my guests, I hope, uh, are going to either be people who are either pastors or or men and women in ministry. Uh, I started with you. Um, one, because we're good friends. Uh, two, because you are in ministry, uh, but your ministry is that of, actually, we'll get back to that in a minute. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want to go off on a tangent, and I tend to do that. Um, but in talking about churches, most churches that I know um, that that have the ability to record their sermons, record video of their sermon, many, many, some do just audio, but by and large, even small churches now are recording the video uh, of their church and a lot of the larger churches at least that are coming to mind um, host their own video and they have their own little you know you go to their the resources page and under resources sermons and latest sermon series and then you can mm -hmm. drill down to the thing and then you watch the video there embedded on their on their server i don't think um that they're on youtube i think that's they're housing it there locally and then a smaller church that I'm thinking of, um, uh, in fact, a church that I spoke at, um, they recorded it on YouTube and they hosted it on YouTube and they posted it on YouTube. Yes. Now, yes. I think the reason they did that was from a cost perspective. It yes. was free to do that yes. because they're not trying to lock down their content and it's available to whomever. Um, but ironically, um, they have a presence in the mall <laughs> yes. for the foot traffic where the large churches do not. Unless yeah. they've unless they've got a strategy to put it in, in more than one, put it in both places, which is possible. Um, but I find that very interesting. So let, so let's back up. Um, it, if I were to ask you, hey Marcus, you went to you went to DTS and you got your degree in in media communications, your master's in media communications, and you are uh, you have a, a description for yourself as a as a in your ministry. I have something in mind, but hopefully you're going to come up with the same answer that I'm thinking of. But what, <laughs> oh, the what pressure. Is, <laughs> well, you've always been able to handle pressure, my friend. So 
if someone asks you, what is your role? What's your, um, what do you call yourself? <laughs> oh, I, I feel like I'm going to fail here. You're going to, you're going to catch me on the, in a safety net. So I, I, I came to DTS as an artist uh, and the things that we're talking about right now came out of a need for me to take my artwork and communicate it well with others and put it in front of everybody else. And so what that started to tell me is that there were opportunities for me to be in places that I couldn't necessarily be physically, but I could use that information to get it out in front of the masses. So I started to look at the term and I said, man, evangelism is more than just what it used to be face-to-face -face or even how it used to be on radio and then it matured into TV and then it started to do other things. And so I saw the opportunity to reface something in, in what we would call electronic harvesting or digital missionary. And so I look at it as an opportunity to reach people digitally that I could not reach face-to-face. -face. I don't think it's any different than what Paul would have done with his letters uh, back uh, back 2,000 years ago is that he was using pen and parchment uh, in order to reach places that he hadn't gone to, such as the church of, in Rome. When he wanted to when he wanted to visit Rome, he sent them a letter before he actually got a chance to make it there. So for me, uh, especially in the medium of spoken word, I was looking for an opportunity to take my writing, my creative writing, and speak to people that I had not got a chance to meet face to face yet. So there's a big opportunity there, not just for spoken word and creative artists, but for any type of person who has a mission to reach other people. And that's the local church, that's a nonprofit, that's a, that's a Bible teacher, that's, uh, that's somebody who's mentoring someone someplace else. When you look at the opportunities that come about what the world is doing with technology, a lot of people don't realize that Khan Academy uh, which is an online tutorial session started with uh, a uncle tutoring his daughter and loading up videos so he could reach her after they had visited during the summertime. And that was how he was continuing to tutor her long range and it became something big. Now, the same with TED Talks. There were, you had somebody who was an expose reporter who now is reaching thousands and thousands of people because he was doing these, these expose videos. And he said, man, I really would like to capture these things and allow other people to see it beyond the form of print or an article written in a newspaper or a magazine. So that's a long answer to say, I guess I'm a digital missionary and I use the tools of the age in order to spread the gospel. Well, if I had a, a little sound effect machine to do a ding, 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 um, <laughs> that's precisely the, the phrase that I was remembering. And I, again, under the pressure, I knew you'd come through. Um, <laughs> the digital missionary is, is the, the phrase. Now, bear in mind, this was, you know, going on 10 years ago that you yes. used this phrase. Um, and I don't know how many in our audience can remember um, what 2010 was like, but it was a lot different environment. Um, the iPhone was still pretty new. Um, yes. It wasn't in everybody's hands. Smartphones were were a little more commonplace with Blackberries and, and Palm Pilots, but boy, the world's changed a lot in 10 years. And even 10 years ago, you were like, boy, I, I feel like I can reach more people digitally than I can reach individually. Um, yes. I, I, I think you were ahead of your time. Um, and I'm excited to see the ministries that have come in place, you know, in the interim. Um, and 
even the ministries that were existing that are now using the medium. And we were just talking about churches that have their sermons on their website. Um, and DTS now has a podcast. They were one of the early adopters of podcasts, if I'm not mistaken. Definitely, um, yeah. And they have a very popular podcast, The Table Podcast. Um, so shout out to, to the guys at DTS for, for leading the way. Um, so that's interesting. I, uh, and I, I don't want to get into too much detail. Um, I don't think that's the format here. Um, but I, I do, I am curious there, there, you talked about the Google universe at one point to me, and I mentioned that earlier and how, um, you're, we talk about terms like SEO and, and mm-hmm. being, well, you go back to your phraseology of, of being found in the mall. <laughs> yes. Uh, I like that. I like that imagery. Um, well, the bigger your storefront, obviously you're going to be, you know, the, the department stores are going to be seen faster than the little stores in between, yes. but even the stores in between, you're going to see the gap, um, or the Apple store, for example, faster. Mm-hmm. You're going to see Claire's boutiques, um, That's or, right. or, or the little, um, the little the kiosk, yeah. the little kiosk in the middle. Yes. And so, uh, and my, my understanding of that, and if wherever I'm wrong, you know, you've never been you've never been shy about correcting me. <laughs> so wherever I'm wrong, tell me, but as I see it, um, being in a Google universe, Google is, is everywhere seemingly. Um, and they also have an interesting, um, an interesting program for nonprofits, which we've talked about um, at one point uh, where they give a grant for Google AdWords. But if you can integrate a strategy that, that posts your videos on Google, um, mm-hmm. on, on YouTube, right? Yes. And, and you also have good SEO strategies where your, um, where your blog posts that are on your website are getting picked up by the, the Google bots and you have, um, any other, your podcast, for example, um, would also, uh, have the similar overlaps and also, and we can talk about this, but how we, how do you host or how do you publicize your podcast, uh, via your website? Um, uh, we're using, um, at least for this first podcast, we're using a, a tool called Anchor. Yes. Um, and, and Anchor's does free hosting for podcasts and they have some pretty good tools. Now, I had some technical difficulties with the tools at the beginning, so we're going to see how that plays out. But there are plenty of ways to host it, but I want to make sure that whatever we do, um, that it's it's reaching the widest audience. Now, I have a very, very specific audience in mind. Um, it's you know, when I grew up, I grew up in the um, attending and participating in an organization called the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Okay. Yeah. And, I was a member of FCA myself. Yeah. Okay. And FCA, if you'll recall, their, their sort of tagline is to um, influence, is to reach athletes and those whom they influence. And what that meant in my, in the real world was you didn't have to be an athlete to be a part of FCA mm-hmm. um, because athletes influence everybody. So if you're not an athlete, you were probably influenced by one. Sort of a catch-all, if you will. Yes. And so I kind of think of ICNU as a similar thing. I really am I genuinely, uh, wholeheartedly, Delton uh, is interested in talking to pastors. I, I'm fascinated by them. I am enamored by them. I respect them. And I want to I get to know more about what makes them tick and how they, um, you know, what inspires them and yes. how do they how do they use that inspiration to, to inspire others? Now, 
if I just restricted my audience to pastors, um, it would still be a pretty large audience. There's 318,000 churches in the United States. Um, <laughs> and so if I had every pastor listening, then that's a pretty good audience by anybody's standards. Yes. But, but really, I think other people, I'm not the only one who's curious, um, and I'm not the only one who's, um, who respects pastors and want to know what they think. Um, but I really want this to be a platform for pastors to talk to one another um, and to, to hear from one another on, on what inspires them. And so um, having said all of that, uh, <laughs> um, I, I also want to um, just create an, a safe environment to talk about the church and talk about God's kingdom. So um, hopefully uh, this is, I'm going to need to get you on another show, another program, another episode uh, in the future where we can dive in on a couple of these things. Like yes. we might could do a whole episode on Google AdWords, for example. Yeah. Um, we could do a whole episode on, uh, well, we did kind of do a whole episode on IT debt. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. no, I didn't really keep out there quite as long as I did. Um, but we, uh, I think we'd spend enough time um, sort of introducing the concept, um, which yeah. was my goal. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is I'm hoping that uh, you can help me with some of the technical back end uh, going forward. Um, and then when I'm, if, I, if that happens, then people will always know that you were my first guest. Um, but I, I have a, uh, two other segments that I'm, I'm, I'm typically going to put into my program, although I'm okay. probably going to eliminate one of them um, for this one. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and ask the question. Um, okay. And I may, I may end up, we may end up deciding that it's, it's not conducive to talk about it. But, you know, one of my, one of my passions is solving problems. I okay. love, I really enjoy when there's a difficulty and putting heads together and saying, hey, how do we, how do we fix this? And so, um, uh, I'm going to ask you, so is there a current issue uh, or dilemma or something that you're working through? Um, that doesn't really have a clear solution. Like what, what are you struggling with right now? What is your, what's, what obstacle or obstacles are you facing in whatever you're trying to accomplish? And maybe you should tell me what it is you're trying to accomplish and what's keeping you from doing it. <laughs> yes. I probably, the, the hardest thing that I'm struggling with right now is, is a good communication path on taking things out of my head uh, visionary steps. So like you talk about uh, some, some things that I saw 10, 15 years ago when I, when I launched out uh, to come to DTS and some of the plans and some of the things that I wanted to do as an artist. So I've, I've got this vision that I see that I'm trying to communicate. And I've learned also some technical skill sets in order to try to bring those things to pass. And so there's the, there's that abstract and then there's that concrete those things together and so what I'm trying to do is create a communication model that speaks to uh, the vision but it also speaks to the details and then also gives a person a you know a very concise statement on what that particular thing is and so that's what I've been studying on it's a, it's a communication model and I, I think that there are implications for also a new discipleship model because we always hear people talk about left brain or right brain and introvert and extrovert 
and I don't see those things when I when I when I when I see the commission or when I hear at the commission. I don't hear go and make disciples of introverts or go and make disciples of right-brain people. And when I think about the Old Testament and the Shema, I don't I don't hear you know when it says love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, or with all your heart, soul, and strength. I don't see that it says one side of your your heart or your brain as opposed to the other side of your heart and brain. I believe that He gave us all of those things to worship him and so we should be worshiping him with creative aspects or, or creativity and also with rational aspects of our being and so that's the thing that i'm working through right now is a a, a i would say a, i don't know how to say better a different or a nuanced model of communication whether that be songs or writings or movies or even artwork that speaks to how we were created and why we were created. And that, that's what I'm wrestling through, wrestling with right now. And, and for the last uh, few weeks, uh, those are the things, those are the type of things that I've been engaging with. Hmm. So that's fascinating. A new communication, and let me see if I understood you. You're saying that you think that there needs to be a broader, maybe a broader communication platform than, than what currently exists. I, I, I yes, and and I believe that ex it exists. Uh, I believe that other disciplines have started to use it. I just don't believe that we, as the body, uh, as you said about us as a body being behind in so many aspects of technology or, or commerce, I believe that we have not used those things to engage people, to show them the relevancy uh, and also the richness of, of, of the king that we serve. Okay, so um, I was correct in saying that that is not something that we're gonna have time to explore. Um, <laughs> Uh, at least not on this call, um, because I also want to respect the audience uh, and their time and um, their commute might be <laughs> running out. Um, and I don't want to have a, a three hour podcast. Uh, what we might want to do then is break and this. Ha this works for any problem that you're solving yes. is break the problem down into smaller problems. Um, because, you know, Hey, I want to, my big problem is solving for world peace. Well, that's really not an easy one to, to uh, come up with on the fly, but it might be, well, how do you solve world peace? Well, you, maybe peace within your family or peace with your neighbors or peace in your community. Yes. Um, and so then what's the first step in that and break that down into micro problems. Um, and so I, I guess my general advice to you um, in beginning to solve that problem would be how do you, you know, there's a book um, called the one thing uh, mm, and I should, yes. I should know the, the author, but I don't um, want to put that in the, in the, in the podcast notes as well. But the, there's a book called the one thing and it says, what is the one thing that you could do such that by doing it, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary. Yes. And ultimately that is a, that is a solution to, to most any problem is you break it down as what is that one thing that I need to do next um, that helps you prioritize. So give that some thought, Marcus. Say, okay, well, if my big issue is how do I take this technology that some people might or might not be using that's out there and roll that out to the body of Christ? Well, it might not be, maybe the body of Christ is, is too large an audience. Mm. Um, and maybe it's how do I use that for my small group? Um, 
or how do I use that for my my group of influence, um, my fans or my following or my um, my tribe? I think is the word that that um, that is used often. And um, so think about that. Think like how do I okay how would I solve it on a small scale instead of trying to figure out how I solve it for the world or for the mm-hmm. church? How do you solve it for your church or your small group? Um, are your immediate influence and then we can pick that conversation up sweet sweet sounds good i don't i don't know if that's helpful even in, um as a starting point um but hopefully it is so i uh want to wrap this up and i have a little segment i'm going to call rapid fire inspire okay we're going to try and do this um <laughs> 15 to 20 seconds per question okay because we're okay. trying to wrap this up Okay. So my first question is, what do you do for fun? Netflix, play games with the kids. Nice. Nice. What's your favorite, what's your favorite program on Netflix right now? Uh, you know what? I'm in between. I'm in a, uh, what do they call it? A show hole. So, right, show hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So right now we're not, uh, we haven't watched anything or, or actually we, we ran through everything because I don't want to date that, but you know, we just came off of a, a long break as a family. So we had a couple of weeks, so we watched probably everything that we wanted to watch and then some. So right now, gotcha. I'm, right now I'm in a show hole, but if you ask, you know, a few shows that we like to watch together, there was, I guess that's okay. There was, I don't even remember the name of it. That's bad how much I love the show now and I don't remember the name. Oh, Troll Hunter. We liked Troll, Troll, Hunter. Troll Hunter. We liked that together as a family. There are a couple of episodes okay. that may be a little intense for smaller kids, but it, 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 was a, it was a good episode. It was a good series. Always, always check the Focus on the Family website if you want to. Yeah, go. yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, <laughs> uh, what is your funniest church memory? Uh, my funniest church memory was me as a, oh, well, I've got two, but I'll, I'll do this one. Uh, when we were in high school, there were a couple of, of us who would sit together and the section that we sit in, there were adults who would often doze off or people who would doze off. And so we figured, we knew that if the preacher says something really, really good and the amens got going and people start clapping, that the people would automatically wake up when they heard the clapping. So we figured out a little trick that we would get close to the person and then we would fake a clap and we'd hit up a couple of like that and the person would wake up out of, <laughs> the person would wake up and start clapping at an inopportune moment. So that oh, that's <laughs> greatness. <laughs> I, I've seen I've seen videos like that of um, of a, someone sleeping in, in a classroom and then doing yes. a very similar thing. Yes, and you were once again you were ahead of your time. That's, so that's awesome. That was, we all, we always found that pretty funny. So until they realized what was happening and we were they made us break up. So, <laughs> but it was it was good while it lasted. That's great. So tell me, um, and hopefully this will be easy. But tell me what your your favorite. Um, scripture verse or scripture passage. Oh, that's now that's a good one. So I think, uh, well, not I think. I, I know um, I'll, I'll roll with Philippians one twenty one for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's good. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Um, that's sort of like in John, it's um, he must increase and I must decrease. Yes. Yeah. Kind of similar theme. Uh, what's on your nightstand? What are you reading Ooh. right now? 
Oh, that's a good one. So I have a couple of books. <laughs> Actually, yesterday I sent you one, uh, which is, <laughs> yeah, which is, which is on my digital nightstand, right? So I've got, I've, I go back and forth on the books that I read. So I've got some hard copies that are on that are actually physically on my nightstand and then I've got a, a few inside of my digital device so when and let's see pink Daniel pink is the author of that and I really like that especially with the season that I'm in uh, about the timing or the natural rhythms of your body and when to make decisions and when not to make decisions so uh, it's the it actually says the title is when the scientific secrets of the scientific secrets of perfect timing. So that's that's what I uh, actually delved into just yesterday because I felt like I needed it to handle some of the other books that I'm reading. And so another book that I'm reading is Thought Leadership and that's by Matt Church. And I'm not quite familiar with the other co-author on that. I'm, I'm really bad about co-authors on that. I always know who's the first guy on the on the book is, but I don't know who the second <laughs> person is. So, Matt so make sure the moral of that story is when you write a book, make sure you're the first one listed. <laughs> yes, def definitely. So uh, I, I just looked it up. It's Matt Church, Peter Cook, and Scott Stein are the are that's the thought leader practice, and that's a that's a business book. I'm also reading a book on copywriting called Copyright Copywriting Secrets. Yeah, I've got a lot of stuff. It's the, you yeah, know, you're you're like me. I I have five or six going at the same time. I will endorse the the win book by Pink. That's a fantastic read. Um, yeah. Last thing, and we got to do this quick. What? Uh, give me a hidden gem. What's a, a tool or a tech or a hack or something? Hey, so this is Delton, and in my effort to minimize my IT debt, uh, my forty minutes expired on my free Zoom call. And we got interrupted. So apologize for the interruption. And here we are with part two, uh, a shorter segment with Marcus Raven. Well, welcome back, Marcus. Uh, sorry for that quick break. Um, but wanted to ask you one more question, um, and then we can uh, conclude for the day. But if you could tell me, uh, and I know you're going to have several of these, so you're going to have to narrow it down. Um, yep. But can you give me a hidden gem, a tool? or tech or hack or something like that that listeners might not know about uh, that might save them time or help them in some way. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a good hack. So we were talking about reading books and so people may wonder how do I get through all of those books. So I used to used to subscribe to Audible and listen to books right there which is great for the commute and then I got tired of the IT debt. So let's let's bring it on home, right? Eliminate IT debt, but increase the amount of information to help me get to where I want to go. So unsubscribe from Audible, uh, started buying books through iBooks, and then from iBooks, I just bought the regular version of the, the e-copy and then allowed Siri to read that book to me and then speed that up to one and a half to even maybe two times. So now I'm able to get an audio book for quote unquote free, use the technology through my phone, have it read to me and then get through the content in half the time that it would normally take for me to get through that content. Wow, so you and Siri are getting close. Yeah, um, Siri and I are really close, yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I what I've noticed on that, because I've done a similar, I think you've, you've shared that with me before. Yes. Um, and if you buy an audio book, um, a true audio book, then it's often written, writ, excuse me, it's often read in the voice of the author. Yes. Um, 
And so you get the inflections and the, the like I, some of my favorites were like Francis Chan, who's got a very distinctive voice and mm-hmm. very easy to listen to. Uh, Siri is not always as easy to listen to. <laughs> um, not at so all. I, I suspect it depends on the content, um, but it's certainly from a, from a killing the IT debt, since we talked a lot about that. Um, yes. Uh, it, it's a great way to to consume the content um, in and, a fast and, and, way. Yeah, in a fast way. And then also, you could you could still now. This is going to sound a little crazy. This is actually going to increase your IT debt a little bit, but it will actually, I believe, it actually increases your retention and also the ability to do with the with the information a lot more. So sometimes, in some cases, I actually buy the actual audio version of the book, and then I also buy the the e e version of the book. And so as Francis Chan, in your case, as Francis Chan is reading to me, I'll spread Francis Chan up, listen to him read to me, but also highlight with the regular book. So I'll have all my notes coming directly from that book. And then that way, I've got my Cliff Notes version of the book, the things that I feel are actionable, quotes that I want to share with others, little highlights and tips that I bring out of that book. So in that case, I'm still moving through the content faster. I'm highlighting and bringing it down and using things that I feel are actionable for me in the long term. So that does increase because now you've got a $12 book and then maybe a $15 audio book. But I believe it gives you better content, more actionable things to move forward with than if you were just to read the book alone or listen to the book by itself. And so that's a that's another hack. That's a learning hack right there. So you're not just getting the visual aspects of it, but you're getting the auditory learning as well. That's good stuff. So um, quick technical question on that. When you're, when you buy a book, an electronic book, are you buying a Kindle version or are you buying a different version? Uh, I'm buying, uh, normally I had been buying a Kindle version, but you can, so you can open up the, and if you buy a Kindle version, then you can open up your Kindle e-reader on your laptop or your, or your, your mobile device, your, your iPad and do the highlighting there. But right. I've switched. And then you can, ex- you can export the highlights as well. Yes, you can export the highlights right. as well. And then, so I had been buying the Kindle Your version. Cliff notes. I, yes, my Cliff Notes. But I think I'm moving everything now over. I've been trying to see. Uh, Apple was a, uh, was a little kludgy, you know, and it was a little wonky in doing that. But I've been buying my latest books that I've bought now. I've been buying at iBooks. And so I'm buying the iBooks version, the e- e-reader version of it, and then listening to it if it's available. Uh, on uh, on apple books on uh, apple books the audio version there as well nice because i there's some people like me who i do read some on kindle but there's something about a a a book yes (laughs) and holding a book in your hand um and the the the, it's not nearly as portable as your phone which you always have with you Mm -hmm. Um, but i am looking at my nightstand right now and i'm seeing six books in my nightstand um, although one of those I may have already finished um, and haven't put away, <laughs> uh, probably <laughs> probably because it belongs to someone else and I have to return it. So I didn't That's put good. it on myself. Yes. Um, uh, that was my way of of reducing my library debt, um, mm-hmm. which is the I just made that term up. Um, <laughs> that, that's my library debt is the the books that I felt like I had to own, and now I have shelves and shelves of books that. I once in a while will refer back to um, Mm -hmm. uh, and want to pick up, um, but more than likely uh, electronic would have been better, uh, certainly from the standpoint of how much room I have. Um, It's still, at least last time I tried, it's still hard to share um, 
electronic books. It is very uh, difficult. It, yeah. It, and I understand why, because I mean, the, the authors need to make money and the publishers need to make money and all of that. But there's something about being able to hand somebody a book and say, here, I'm going to write my, I'm going to put my little stamp in it, write my name in it from the library of, and here, why don't you borrow this, take a read. Yes. Um, and there's still some, something magical about that. Um, so I don't know, maybe someday books will go away and we won't need to continue producing um, these things that take up room and, and become decor. <laughs> but I'm still a, I'm still a fan of books. Um, have been most of my life. So um, anyway, so I, I think we covered a lot. Um, I think we have more to cover, which is exciting. Um, yes. we, can, we can pick this back up again and maybe cover some, some specific, uh, some of the specific topics we touched on today, but I appreciate you uh, giving me time of, of your day. Um, I know that's valuable. Um, and I'm hoping that I don't see an invoice for that time. <laughs> well, thank, thanks for having me on the show. I, I think it's uh, I'm humbled to be the, the first guest and hopefully we'll look back and hundreds of podcasts later. And even if we don't measure it in podcasts, if somebody gets in touch with us and says, Hey, this made a difference for the kingdom, then I'm all about that. You, you and I both, my friend, you and I both. Well, take care, Marcus. And uh, I look forward to the next time uh, we get to talk. All right, Delton. Have a great day, man. God bless you. Best of too. Bye. Thank you for listening to the first ICNU Inspiring Churches podcast. This is the podcast where we talk to pastors and ministry leaders about what inspires them in hopes that listening to that will inspire you. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.